Good morning. Um, obviously, we're doing things a little bit differently. Um, uh, we're not able to physically meet, as you guys know. But um, one of the things that I just feel like the Lord is prompting is we're here at Maranatha trying to figure out how do we continue to be the church and to minister um, in this time and, as they keep saying, unprecedented uh, situation that the world has never faced before. Um, we, we still get to meet as a church family. It's just in a different way. It's in a different setting. Um, and the weird thing is uh, that I actually feel closer to my church family than I ever have before, honestly. Um, because the Lord has already set us up. Think about this. Without us knowing that this coronavirus was going to come at this time, no one had this on the radar. Um, we had the word prepare at Maranatha Chapel um, from the beginning of the year. So I know that, that my girls, they're prepared for this moment. You're prepared for this moment. Um, and it gets me uh, excited um, to see and to know that God is moving in this time and in this situation. Uh, so um, even though I feel like I'm sitting here like the president addressing you here, um, I want you guys to know that um, I've been praying for you. Um, and even when sometimes you forget who you are, the Lord tells us that uh, in the New Testament, we're supposed to see each other in the spirit. And the way that the Lord sees you and he showed me right now is that you guys are mighty warriors for the kingdom, for uh, a heavenly perspective. And we're gonna talk about that this morning. We're gonna stay consistent. We're gonna keep getting into the word of God. I'm not gonna switch the message up just because we're in this season and time of coronavirus because that's gonna pass, but the word of God remains forever. Um, so there are major relevant things that we're even gonna pull out of, of Solomon as we continue to go through 1 Kings right now um, and look at him and, and who he is in the word um, and uh, be rooted and grounded um, uh, again in, in the fresh manna that he has. We gotta stay in the word. We gotta stay in fellowship even this way. Um, but really we're staying in fellowship in the spirit as we pray for one another. We remind ourselves of who we are in the Lord. So um, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you um, and I praise you. Um, you know, I woke up early and, and was thinking about this message, thinking about um, those who would be listening, and um, it was rainy, it was, it was dark, and, and um, as the morning went on, the sun broke through, and I was reminded that the sun, and every morning that it rises, it's a sign, you say, of your faithfulness, Lord God, that you still sit on the throne. Um, and, and even last week, you had us in our reading um, talking about David and, and numbering the people and how there was a plague that was sent and then how he met there at the threshing floor and, and made an altar to you and cried out to you and, and the plague was, was stopped. And it was the same exact spot, Lord God, that, that Abraham was gonna sacrifice his son and then you provide a ram in, in his place, you provide yourself as a sacrifice. Um, Lord, uh, we're, we're gonna see more relevant truths that will encourage 
our hearts and keep us steadfast in this time. Knit our hearts together in a unique way, Lord God, um, as only you can do by the power of your spirit. Anoint these words, Lord God. Open hearts and open minds to hear the message that you want to speak. Um, you are not, uh, you, you know, you're outside of time and space. You're, you're present with every single person um, listening right now. And so I just speak the shalom of God over all of us. Um, I, I just pray um, again that you would be glorified, that we would take this time to stop looking at the headlines of the news and worrying about toilet paper and bread um, and focus on you. We would lift our, our vision and our gaze to the author and finisher of our faith. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Um, I do wanna tell you as I was driving over here, um, I, I have a song, if you have a pen, you might wanna write this down. Um, but it's, it's a song called My Hallelujah. And, um, you know, I'm that crazy person in the car, and I am worshiping the Lord, uh, you know, and this song has been literally on repeat. It's called My Hallelujah, and the album is Praise Before My Breakthrough, and it's by Brian and Katie Torwait. Um, but Praise Before My Breakthrough, My Hallelujah, and it just go, it's such a fitly song right now that has just oil all over it, and you just Sing that, you, you, you belt it out, you lift your arms, and I'm telling you that um, you know, spirit of heaviness that wants to come on all of us right now is lifted off and you're given a garment of praise and it lifts. So there's my little recommendation. Uh, nothing can take away my hallelujah is the whole phrase and it's just powerful. But okay, so we're in 1 Kings um, as we keep going through our immersed Bible study. And we're, we, because we're going through huge sections of Scripture, we literally go over Solomon and his reign um, this last week in our reading. So Solomon, interesting guy. I think I might bring up some points that maybe you've never heard about him before. Solomon reigns for 40 years in Israel's um, history here. And it literally is, I mean, if you did the reading, it is the very peak of Israel's fame and glory during the rule of Solomon, that's when their zenith kind of takes place. He also, though, listen, we'll get there, he turns apostate, meaning he literally turns away from following the Lord. So, and then what happens because of that uh, is that the kingdom that at this time is united, remember, under David, Solomon's father, the 12 tribes were united for the first time under his reign. And so Solomon, he has a united kingdom, but his turning away from the Lord will end in the kingdom eventually being completely, um, uh, you know, torn apart. So we believe that Solomon was seated on the throne when he was only 15 years old. That comes from the historian Josephus. And then you have Adonijah, um, one of his brothers who attempts to take the throne, but we read about how his plan was stopped by the prophet Nathan. We also read last week how David, before he dies, you know, he's on his deathbed and he's instructing Solomon with his last words to basically take care of business. He goes, there are some guys that you need to deal with that did some stuff in my rule and reign and you need to exact judgment and punishment on them. You need to deal with Joab who I found out actually, uh, you know, killed 
an innocent man, Abner, who wasn't ready for war. He was unarmed and killed, murdered him. Shimei, he was the guy who was cursing David as he was literally fleeing into the wilderness because Absalom, his son, was trying to take his throne. He goes, you need to deal with Shimei also, and he goes through his list. But the biggest thing that Solomon does in his lifetime is, as we know, he builds the temple of the Lord. It talks about the famous cedars of Lebanon, you know, and the arrangements that were made to, uh, to, to bring, you know, these cedars. It was about uh, Hiram. Um, and this is actually a great friend of David, his father. Hiram is the king of Tyre, and he had a close friendship with David, and that's really who sets up all of the, the arrangements, the, the necessary provisions, the wood, the, uh, you know, the relationships to get the supplies that would be needed for the temple to be built. So even though we call it Solomon's temple, remember it was in David's heart. And David is the one who actually sets everything up for his son to then build the temple. Even the design of the temple, you need to know this, was given to David. It was not given to Solomon. It was given by God directly to David himself. When you look at the temple layout, um, I want you guys to understand it's very similar to what we've already talked about. You know, the first was that tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Um, and and the, that the concepts are really similar. It's just much larger. And then, of course, it's meant to be permanent. So rather than this, uh, you know, mobile uh, tent, uh, that they would need following them, uh, you know, or actually leading them through the wilderness. Now you have this permanent structure. So when you would first enter in, you would see the brazen altar. Just picture the brazen altar here. Um, and then around that are 10 lavers of bronze, and they were used for washing. There was also a molten sea. It was this huge basin that it's talked about seven and a half feet deep, and then 10 feet in diameter. Um, and this would be for the priests. They would do ritual washings there and things like that. After walking through that, you enter into the holy place. And here, you don't see, like you did in the tabernacle, one menorah, the seven-branch lampstand, but you see 10. So it's like everything kind of just gets multiplied and bigger. Then you go a little further, and it's not just one table of showbread like you would have in the tabernacle, but now you have 10 tables of showbread. Then you come to the golden altar of incense. And then as you would go through the veil, the curtain that would separate, you would then see in the Holy of Holies two things. You saw the Ark of the Covenant and then the mercy seat. And they're actually, in the Bible, most people considered them to be one piece of, of furniture, so to speak, but they're actually two separate things. Um, the Bible discusses them differently, and the mercy seat actually takes precedent even over the ark. So the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat, they're in the holy of holies. Now, um, one thing that is different is there is a porch that is added that was not at the tabernacle or the tent, and then there's a, a, that porch in front, um, and then these two bronze pillars. They're, they're huge bronze pillars uh, with nothing on top of them. So they're not supporting anything. But the word goes into great detail describing these bronze pillars that you would walk through. And they even are named. One is named Jachin, and then you've got Boaz to the north. Jachin means 
his counsel, and then Boaz, his strength. So as you would walk through there, it, that's what you would picture. You would think of those names. Everyone knew those names, and you, it was all pointing towards different aspects of who the Lord is. Another note is everything on the outside of the temple is bronze. But once you went inside, everything inside of the temple was actually overlaid with gold, some solid gold. So you have the Holy of Holies, then you have the Holy Place, then you have the porch, you have the inner court, and then you have the outer court. Um, And I want you to know, we're gonna come swing back around at the end of the message and kind of go into this more, but do you know that literally seven times the Bible says that you and I are the temple of God. If we had more time, we could go through each of those aspects of, of the physical temple. And it actually is talking about our physical body and different parts of who we are, um, going even to the Holy of Holies. Uh, we have the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells inside of us. And we're gonna wrap back around to that at the end of the message. But back to Solomon. Solomon, he was brilliant, we know this, uh, but morally failed. He was completely self-indulgent. We know, and it tells this story about the Queen of Sheba who's heard about his greatness, who's heard about his wealth, heard about his wisdom, and how she comes to visit him. And she literally wonders at all the glory and the splendor and the wisdom of Solomon and says, it's all true. Everything I heard is true. It was actually a time of peace. There was no war at this time when Solomon was ruling and reigning. But as a note, um, later in history, listen, it always records Solomon adversely, like negatively. For example, uh, the scriptures go on to say that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as beautifully or royally as the lilies of the field. So he was a measurement for what should be greater. Note, Solomon though, he did write 3,000 Proverbs, which we will get to. Uh, 1,005 songs. He also wrote about natural history. But again, Solomon fails. Listen, Deuteronomy 17, verse 14 through 20 says, Israel's kings should not multiply wealth. It should not multiply horses or wives. And he literally does all three of those things. Solomon traded in chariots. He traded in horses. He indulged in many foreign wives, 700, 700 wives and 300 concubines from all of the surrounding nations that they were warned to stay against, to not intermarry. Uh, And many of them were for political alliances. And then as a result of all of this, false gods are introduced, false worship. And here's the thing, we've always talked about this in the study, your sin does not just affect you. You are not isolated. We are interconnected. The Lord has made us this way. We are one body. What I do, what you do affects those around us. Solomon, in instituting these false forms of worship, it will continue and be seen in Israel as we go through the word for hundreds and hundreds of years after him. Because of his carnality, the nation declines and literally it ends up where Israel is actually exiled and kicked out of the promised land, just like God said he would do if they don't follow him and his ways. 
So Solomon himself, he turns from the Lord. He taxes the people excessively. He was led astray by his wives. He builds temples to idols of Moab, the Sidonians, Ammon. Those are the gods Chemosh and Ashtoreth and Molech, and I'll give you some more about that. And he literally does this on the temple grounds. The Lord tells Solomon in 1 Kings 11, 11, the Lord was going to take the kingdom away from him. Um, I want to tell you that King Solomon was the first king to institute child sacrifice because of the worship to the god Moloch. They literally would uh, have unwanted children out of their religious practices that practiced uh, you know, sexual immorality and uh, prostitution with the priestesses and things like that and worshiping these gods. And these children would literally then be sacrificed to their god Moloch. And King Solomon was the first king to, to institute this because he allowed and also participated in the worship of Moloch. Um, you know, in our reading this week, it's interesting to note, and I will leave you to ponder this, in 1 Kings, it tells us how much gold came into Solomon's kingdom each year, was paid to him. And the number is literally 666. It's in the Bible. 666 talents of gold. Solomon also gives away land for peace. Interesting. Uh, he also makes political alliances with Israel's enemies. Um, you know, so Solomon, you say, but he is wise. He, the Lord gives him wisdom. This is true. Uh, Solomon was wise. What do we do with his Proverbs then? We read them, and there is wisdom in the Proverbs. It's the book of wisdom. Um, you know, we'll get into the, 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 the poems that he's written and, and all these things. But God also spoke through Balak. Uh, God spoke through a donkey. Um, and what happens here is that Solomon perverted his wisdom. His wisdom in his perversion, actually, he turns it to build his own kingdom instead of the kingdom of God. Um, so like I said, in 1 Kings 11, 11, the Lord goes, I'm gonna take the kingdom away from you. He lets him know because of these things. He says, but because of his love for David, it won't be during your lifetime, but it will be during the reign of your son. So he knows this. The Lord proclaims it over him. And he leaves one tribe, Judah, to Solomon's son because of his servant, David, um, and the tribe of Judah, which you know we're going to pick up next week when we go through the rest of um, you know kings. Um, but I want to close with kind of that idea and a takeaway um, that the Lord kind of spoke to me, and I heard some things about it and tie it all together. Um, uh, yeah, so, all right, ready. And this is why it's so important to go through the entirety of the Word of God. Remember how he teaches us. The Hebrew mindset, which God wrote it to and through Hebrews, and then for them to be a light for the rest of the world. The mindset is not Greek and linear like this, but he teaches us in circular patterns, right? And it's because he's a good father and he wants you and I to get these lessons that he's giving for life and godliness. So um, we're going to kind of focus on the tabernacle and this guy Bezalel. But I want you to picture, this is a pattern that God always does. 
even starting with the creation of the world. It says that the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters and that it was void and formless and that out of that, He creates, out of the chaos, He creates order and life and a new creation. Um, Out of, I want to say, the chaos of the golden calf. Remember, Moses goes up on the mountain. He's getting instructions from the Lord who is there on the top of the mountain. He's going to bring down the instructions of the tabernacle because God always wants to be with his kids. He never wanted heaven and earth to be separated. He has always wanted to dwell with his kids. So he was making plans and provision for that. And what are they doing? You've got the golden calf that is being made out of like literally the gold that the Egyptians gave to them as they were fleeing, you know, get out of here, go worship your God somewhere else. They take that gold. And while Moses is up there meeting with God, they make this golden calf. But do you know that the very articles of the tabernacle were made out of that melted down and actually transformed and changed because our God is a merciful God. He's a redeeming God. He's a reconciling God. And yes, he's a God of justice, but his whole heart is that we would be connected with him, that that would be made right. So out of the chaos of the golden calf, God brings a new creation of the tabernacle. And he actually uses the people to build it and then he fills it with his spirit. Out of the chaos that we are facing now and the crisis that we're in now, God wants to bring about a new creation in you. He wants to bring about a new creation in me. He wants us to be building our tabernacle that houses the Holy Spirit and to fill us in a whole new fresh way right now through this crisis, through this chaos, if we will participate with Him. When Jesus comes back the second time, I just want you to see kind of this pattern Um, that we know that it's going to be out of complete chaos. The entire world will be in chaos when Jesus comes back that second time. And what is he gonna do? He's going to bring a new creation, a new reality, where literally he is seated on the throne there in Jerusalem, in that same place that we talked about at the beginning of our message, where David stops, you know, the angel that's bringing the plague, where Abraham was stopped because the Lord provides himself a sacrifice. Jesus is going to rule and reign from that very literal spot. And out of the chaos of the world, he brings a new creation where he is the prince of peace and he restores restores heaven and earth to reside again as he always has planned. So I want to focus in on this guy named Bezalel. We've already talked about this, uh, you know, in in our Exodus, but we're going to bring it back here because we're talking about the temple being built. I want to take it back to the tabernacle because I think there's some really cool nuggets for you and I. And this completely ministered to me. You know I gave this message to Sean last night. He got all fiery and he started interrupting me and started preaching a message in the middle of my message. I was like, okay, I think this this is good. It's it's gonna preach, because he was preaching. I'm like, calm down, let me finish my message. So I'm like, so the Lord spoke to Moses. This is scripture. He says, see, I have singled out by name. And I want you to hear those words because I believe the Lord is singling you out by name. He singles out by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. I have endowed him with a divine spirit of skill, ability, and knowledge in every kind of craft. And again, this was to build 
the tabernacle, where the presence of God would come and, and fill that place. And I believe the Lord is looking right now for those that will be that remnant. He's looking for people who understand the times and the seasons that you and I are being called to live in. He is singling out those who can see with his perspective. And I think that we're always called as believers to live in two worlds at one time. Because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are seated in him in the heavenlies right now. But then we also are here awaiting him to come again. So we're, we're in this place where we live here and we live here at the same time. So we need to have compassion for those around us who don't see. And, and I'm not speaking to those people right now. I'm speaking to you that God's singling out. We have compassion for those who are afraid. We, we have mercy for those. We have answers and we come to them humbly and, and, and we bring them um, closer into the love and the truth of God. But for those of you who are listening right now, I feel like the Lord is singling you and I out. Um, and I, I love this. Listen, so the name Uri, remember it says that he's Bezalel. He's the son of Uri and the son of Hur. Uri means light, actually. It comes its origins out of the, the word in Hebrew, light. And then the name Hur means freedom. The name Bezalel means abide in the shadow or the shade of the Lord. So he was, listen, the son of light, the son of freedom, abiding in the shadow of the Lord. So out of the chaos right now, we are being called, listen, to bring light into the world, to bring freedom for those who then will abide in the shadow or in the shade of the Almighty, the El Shaddai, Yeshua. Literally, for those who abide in Jesus, those who abide in Yeshua, you come under the shadow of the Lord. And we need to be like Bezalel today because we know that he's returning soon. You need to be able to see, yes, take the precautions. We're washing our hands. We're social distancing. I'm coming to you live streaming because we can't be together in that way. So we understand those things. We're, we're doing what the government is asking us to do. But at the same time, to have a different uh, uh, skill set like Bezalel. You have a different lens. You have another perspective. Bezalel knew, listen, how to join heaven and earth. That was what the tabernacle was to do. It was to bring God from heaven who wants to tabernacle with men into that place there so that he could dwell with his kids. You and I need to be like Bezalel and know how to join heaven and earth. Listen to this scripture. This is what the Lord says about Bezalel, and this is what I want to speak over you today. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. This is Exodus 31.3. And it is written there with regard to creation also of heaven and earth. The same exact words that I just told you about Bezalel, that God puts his Spirit in him for those three things, the same thing is talked about when the heavens and the earth are created. Listen to this verse. It says, The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth by understanding. He established the heavens 
by his knowledge, the depths were broken up and the skies dropped down the dew. That's Proverbs 3, 19 and 20. You guys, the exact same words, <laughs> talking about creating the heavens and the earth, are literally described in the same spirit that God put into Bezalel. So we see that wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, the qualities that the heavens and earth were created are found in Bezalel. And what I want to say, you're going, okay, I hear you. I don't know what to do with what you're saying. Let me break it down. You and I have an opportunity to connect heaven and earth right now. Heaven and earth, that's God's desire. Out of this chaos, out of corona, Christ is bigger than corona virus. So out of this chaos, if we have a heavenly spiritual perspective, and I'm giving it to you right now through his word, God provided a man on the earth for this time to build that tabernacle, that the, the mishkan on the earth, to literally tabernacle with men, fill with his spirit, to abide with his kids. And the literal meaning of his name is he was in the shade of the shadow of the Lord. Your pastor this week told you to read Psalm 91. Um, I also uh, prayed and I would speak Psalm 91. It talks about that very thing, about taking shelter in the shadow, in the wings of the Almighty. It starts the Psalm off that way. And then to put your kids' names, to put your loved ones, to put the people that you know and insert their names into that Psalm, Psalm 91. But that's what we're supposed to do. We're learning now. This is like a, a testing for us that you're prepared for by God who fills you with his spirit. If you choose to say yes, and you have that spiritual and heavenly perspective that God goes, I'm making a provision right now that you on this earth would be filled with his spirit and connect people through Yeshua, heaven and earth, with the message that he's coming again soon, that he is creating new things even out of your walk with him right now. Um, this is what God is wanting to do. So I just want to end with a blessing um, uh, over you and some kind of declarations. If you want to stand up and then just put your hands out to receive. Um, uh, I've got a few people in here, and I'll just pray this over you, uh, but a blessing. Um, so, Father God, we just uh, say yes and amen with your spirit and what you're doing right now, Lord. Uh, as far as in us. Build, we want to build this tabernacle to have a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit for this time um, to create new things out of this chaos, Lord. It is not your will that people would die from corona and corona would be spread. That is what the enemy wants. But Lord God, you bring beauty from ashes, Lord. Um, you want to solidify us in our faith. Now is the time for us to learn how to trust in you in the midst of crisis. Right now, Lord God, I pray that our spiritual roots would grow down deep and they would grow strong. Now is the time that we say yes to realize that this life is transitory. We are passing through. This is not our home. Now is the time to go back to our first love and the beauty of the cross and the gift of eternal life. Now is the time to be used as agents of hope when this world is desperate for hope to a very scared and lost world. Now is the time that we say our faith will stand up 
and declare in you, Jesus, that we have all that we need and we will not be shaken. Like Bezalel, Lord God, may your spirit fill us and bring light and freedom as we abide in the shadow of El Shaddai, Lord Almighty, to be filled with your spirit, to have knowledge and understanding and wisdom and bring heaven and earth together through the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Love you guys. Look forward to meeting with you next uh, Tuesday. And, um, and I'm praying for you. God bless you. <laughs>